Welcome to the Ignite Podcast, the only healthcare marketing podcast that digs into the digital strategies and tactics that help you accelerate growth. Each week, Cardinals experts explore innovative ways to build your digital presence and attract more patients. Buckle up for another episode of Ignite. What's going on, everybody? This is going to be fun. I've got a special, special superstar on with us in a medical specialty I don't know a ton about and one I haven't heard a ton from, but women's health is exploding in interest from private equity and and generally. I'm excited about that because it's going to get more interest from marketers and more attention, and it needs it. Too much self-diagnosis happening right now, so this is good. We're going to share some light on that. Everybody, welcome Teresa Porcaro, welcome to Ignite. Very happy to have you. How you doing in Providence? I'm good. I'm good. A little cold, but I'm good. How are you? She said it was 30 below, and that'll <laughs> time this podcast. We're recording in February 23. I don't care. We're going to get it live soon so we get the trends out. But yeah, she's in 30 below weather. So if you're <laughs> listening to this in the car, just know you are warmer than Teresa today. <laughs> Teresa, you ended up in healthcare marketing, but you come from AI. It seems like software tech. How'd you end up here in this safe haven of healthcare? Yeah, yeah. I spent my whole career in uh, tech startups so far, like sort of landed in them on accident after college and was really drawn to them, B2B tech. And I, at my last startup, uh, UiPath, we IPO'd. So did the marketing dream, joined at Series B. We went public on the stock market and I was pretty content. I wasn't really looking to go anywhere. But um, a friend of mine reached out and said, you know, I know about this healthcare company and you write a lot about your uh, passion for women's health and endometriosis. And I'd love for you to talk to the founders. And I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. Uh, So I talked to them, the two doctors, and their biggest problem was they didn't understand why patients weren't finding them. And so I was like, all right, no problem. Uh, let me let me tell you why. So I had a really frank conversation with them about that. And uh, one thing led to another. And then I joined the team to build their marketing. <laughs> so uh, that's sort of how it was. It was sort of like marketing mixed with passion. Yeah, yeah. That's the best kind. It's interesting you come from a demand gen background because... That is useful in so many ways. You're used to nurturing and events and getting lists and building them. And, you know, a lot of healthcare marketers, I love you all that listen to this thing, all three of you, but we're so focused on new patient acquisition all the time. And your background lends more towards nurturing and education. So we'll, I'd like to learn from you how you've translated that. Tell us about the practice, pelvic rehabilitation medicine, correct? Yes. Pelvic rehabilitation medicine. It's a national healthcare company uh, focused on women's health. We have 13 locations across eight states and expanding. Um, and it started because our one of our co-founders, Alison Shikande, actually was experiencing frustration in healthcare herself. She, after her first child, was experiencing a lot of pelvic health issues. And she was super frustrated with what she was getting back from her doctors. So she created the treatment protocol that she now offers to all of our patients. And it's a series of pelvic uh, nerve and muscle treatments that our patients receive. And it helps with various types of pelvic pain uh, conditions. And it helps men and women, but I will say that primarily uh, women are our primary patient and primarily endometriosis sufferers. Um, And they may not know they have endometriosis when they come to us. They may think they have something else. And sadly, 
uh, 75% of them have been misdiagnosed. And whether that is due to just misinformed doctors or misinformed patients, it's just a lack of information on the internet. They're diagnosing on Instagram, they're diagnosing on Google, and then eventually they're showing up in our office very frustrated, seven to 12 doctors later, uh, looking for help. It's mostly the OBs that are misdiagnosed. Is the founder an OB? Is she, was she was No, a she's actually a physiatrist, which I hadn't heard of that specialty What the hell before. is, what is that? You know, it's basically a pain specialist. They focus on anything from the belly button all the way down to the mid thigh. So they do not perform pelvic exams in terms of like, you wouldn't go to them for your OBGYN exam or anything like that. They, we say we quarterback the care of your other doctors. So we don't necessarily take patients from OBGYN or urology or pelvic floor PT. We actually work with them, but they can't do what we do. It's actually the treatment protocol we offer is the first of its kind in the country and the only one. With any of the first of the kind, do the insurance companies bank? Is it all, is it payer? That's yeah, pair partnerships or it's all cash um, We previously were only accepting out-of-network benefits. And now we have moved into in-network with Blue Cross Blue Shield in almost all of our states, but it's been quite difficult in general, especially for the endometriosis population. Okay. It's because it's so um, misunderstood. A lot of the care is not backed by insurance. Um, okay. We do have the ability to bill insurance via out-of-network benefits. And now in those offices where we are in network with Blue Cross Blue Shield, we can bill insurance. So that's been huge for us. Uh, That just started happening in Q4. That makes your search campaign, that would be tricky on search because you can only say BCBS stuff and you're going to throw away so many leads. So I probably, I imagine not spending time on search. We'll get to that in a minute. So tell us, I know you are passionate about educating the patient base so that we get more diagnoses that are correct. So we get people in the right place at the right time. and They don't have to go through seven misdiagnoses and all this stuff, right? How do you do that via digital marketing? How do you get to the point where you're educating them? How do you revise the content? Where do you, where do you start? How do you do your research? Yeah. Walk us through all of that. Yeah. So I keep telling people at PRM that I'm meeting the patients where they are. I think a lot of times the mistake that has been made, especially at PRM in the past and in healthcare in general, is that we make a lot of assumptions about healthcare patients and we think that they need things that they're not asking for, whether that's a research paper or whether that's just a dictionary of definitions of things. They're really looking for very educational, very authentic content that explains to them what they're feeling and validates what they're feeling. So I've spent a lot of time trying to get inside the minds of our patient population. It does help that um, I do have endometriosis, but I've spent a lot of time talking to our patients, talking to our doctors, and talking to the folks that answer the phones and our office coordinators and asking them, what are the questions our patients are asking? What are the concerns that they have? And then doing some SEO-driven research on, okay, what are they looking for? And then creating content around that. I have found that a lot of times they're truly just looking for answers, like what is this condition and how can I solve it? But sometimes they're just looking for that validation and that community so that they can trust us as a resource and then come back to us for the educational content. Mm, You've been at PRM how long? Uh, seven months, <laughs> seven months. And so you started not by acting, but by researching and having discussions with patients. And like, I think we should harp on that quite a bit. Yeah. We get into right, like let's drive demand. 
the the boss, the PR, or the P coming, you know, we have to drive patient acquisition and nobody like stops to actually yeah. talk to the patients and find out what they're looking to learn. So you did your own focus groups. You talked to the patients. The office managers are also very important. What are the questions they're calling it about? That helped inform content. You marry that with keyword search volume and all that stuff. And then did you get to writing it and then have an MD review? Is it like clinically reviewed? Did so, you write it with chat GPT? What did we do? Our doctors are writing our blog content right now, which is cool. huge. I basically did a bunch of keyword research and a bunch of research based on what I'm hearing. And then I assign topics to our doctors and then optimize them after because I don't pretend that I'm the expert, right? Like I'm not supposed to be telling these patients, why do I have hip pain when I have endometriosis? I don't know. I'm not the doctor. I someone tell me, but the doctor knows. And so I'm really leading with provider-led content and we have 13 offices nationwide. So then it's building up their profiles, building up their expertise. And then again, at the end, driving it back down to here's how we can help you. So it's a lot of like, okay, here's the expert talking about it. And then I'm obviously optimizing the content, but Google wants the content to be helpful. So we need to make sure that it's helpful for the right reasons and not just some SEO marketer or demand gen marketer writing content that makes sense with keywords. So that's how I'm thinking of it. And then I'm turning that into social posts that are obviously at that point optimized for the social media audience, whether it's an Instagram carousel or Allison does, um, you know, sexual health tips with Dr. Ali, and it's a 30 second reel based on questions patients are asking. So we're really trying to be provider led, but also catering it to the channel. Everybody was so excited about the chat GPT thing and everybody went and spun up a ton of content. I think the only way to stand out is going to have that is going to be to have the clinical backing and review, make sure it's useful, unique, has a unique spin. If it's, if you don't have the clinician's reviewing it, writing it from their mind, it's just as good or bad as chat GPT. You're not going to rank yeah. and it's not going to help the patient no. at all, right? And honestly, it's going to spit out the wrong stuff. I look at it like keyword research. Like you can use it to help you inform what you might need to write about. You can use it to inspire you when you plug in a question. But at the end of the day, it's in my opinion to writing what keywords are to SEO, it'll give you some inspiration, but it shouldn't be driving your entire content strategy because who's reviewing that? Who says it's right? I have some friends that work at an SEO agency and they were dabbling with it and telling me that they were asking ChatGP to write um, a blog about best restaurants in Seekonk. There are no restaurants in Seekonk. They wrote an article. So you can't really... You know, unless there's a human in the loop, which coming from a background of automation and AI, there needs to be a human in the loop. And that person, whether it's the writer or the clinical background, then you're not trusted in the end because you're putting out wrong information. And especially, you know, with healthcare and a, and a patient population that's used to being gaslit, all you need is one wrong thing to go out there and you're canceled. <laughs> So you can't, you can't rely on AI to write your content. I think I got canceled um, this morning on Facebook in a group with my neighborhood. Hey, there's a business idea there. Restaurant in Seekonk. We're going to be opening up <laughs> one soon. Yeah, they Chat, need them. <laughs> ChatGPT is like a salesperson. It just doesn't know how to say no. And so 
I think everybody's finding out like it's good for inspiration, but it can't replace the humans yet. We still have jobs. Writing is still important. Is there a keyword? So endometriosis, okay, and people are getting misdiagnosed. Like, let's talk SEO. What is the main keyword? Is it pelvic floor rehabilitation provide? Like, what are you putting on your location pages to drive traffic? Previously, before I started, they were trying desperately to rank for like pelvic floor rehabilitation, pelvic floor therapy. And that was actually a poor strategy because people were getting confused by who we were and what we did because we are not pelvic floor therapy. We actually don't offer that. We work with pelvic floor therapists. So what we're doing now is we're actually going educational, full educational, real top funnel, like what is endometriosis? Can endometriosis cause pelvic pain? We're literally diving into those like long tail keywords and semantic like indexing of what people are searching for and then providing them the content. So even in my paid strategy, because as you alluded to in the beginning, like healthcare and paid is difficult. And then you run into like insurance and Google is constantly like telling me, no, you can't do that. Um, and I'm like, why you have to lead with like the education and the benefit there is that there's so much misinformation out there that because we've got the right information, we're being rewarded accordingly, but it's a little bit longer of a journey for us to get there, which is why I'm really encouraging us to say, okay, paid will get us there as long as we have organic. It's a fully integrated strategy. We can't just lean on one thing. We have to drive demand from all avenues. We can't just say, we'll get people in the door by saying we're a pelvic pain specialist because they don't know what that is. We actually have to educate them as well. Yeah, y'all should check out the website. It's uh, pelvicrehabilitation.com. Yeah, Teresa. Mm -hmm. Um, Check it out. The service line pages are interesting and actually have the providers at the bottom. And then I love the location pages. I had not seen this before. They have providers, the actual picture, patient testimonials, of course, but then also like parking information and uh, how much is it going to cost, crossroads, all of that stuff, unique content and helpful for the patient. So I thought I yeah. thought that was interesting. On search, are you bidding on the upper funnel, long tail keywords? What is into yeah, So yeah. you are. That is how you're just, so you're not bidding on the location based stuff. We started doing PMAX and bidding on the location. And in some of our offices, it is working. Like in New York City, we're still getting, but in others, we didn't find it was a successful. Occasionally in our search campaigns and our condition base, the near me stuff is still working. But what we're doing is we're actually funneling everything into the conditions and allowing Google to work for us that way because that's how our audience is searching. They're not necessarily... In some cases, they're saying like endometriosis helped near me, but really they're so gaslit and so confused that they're actually just looking for someone to tell them what's wrong with them. Like the thing I mentioned when I first started here is they're not saying like help me, I have endometriosis. They're saying, why does my left side hurt? Why do I have constant hip pain? And that's what we need to solve for because so many doctors before that have told them that nothing's wrong with them. And so that's the complex thing with our patient population is that we're trying to build this like very authentic relationship. And I think that like in general, that's a problem that all healthcare providers now need to solve for because there's so much information available online that a patient walks in and they have already Googled 9 million things. So we need to actually meet them where they are and say like, yes, 
here's all the possible things. Let me educate you and let's build a relationship. One of our providers said recently, a patient doesn't care what you know until they know you care. And I think that is what we're trying to do with all of our marketing strategy. And, you know, our call center has been telling me on the phone lately that the patient's that are calling in lately from our website leads are already just so much more informed on the phone that it's so much easier to get them to come in because they know what they're signing up for. <laughs> like they know, like, this is what you do. You can help me. Yes, I want to come in. <laughs> Conversion rates go up when the content is good and educational. Yep. Yeah, makes it easier on your call center and you'll convert more. The name of the game this year with more automation and Google and stuff is going to be lead quality, improving your creative and education. So you're sending them. That's so interesting. A lot of provider groups will get away with dermatology near me or dermatologist or acne treatment or dentist near me. However, they're also coming up. They also have specific conditions that aren't well known. They have new services or treatment lines or something innovative. And this is a really unique spin you take and bid on the upper funnel keywords. Yeah. Not just the lower funnel, easy demand capture bid on them, send them to a really educational page with clinician backing and get people aware that way. You mentioned something else that's interesting. You're running TikTok or is that Instagram? And you have the clinician so answering questions. Tell us. Yeah. So we're just right now hyper-focused on Instagram and that's really just like a human time thing. Um, it's just me, <laughs> but I'm hiring a team and we will certainly be expanding, but we're doing a lot of Instagram lives and we also are having our providers do a lot of reels. So Dr. Ali, Alison Tricande, she is really taking the lead on that as our co-founder to sort of lead by example so that all of our other providers can see one, how easy it is and to be inspired to do it as well. A lot of them have their own Instagram accounts and they're starting to follow suit and, you know, build this, you know, authority of their own as well. And so Allie has done Dr. Allie's sexual health tip of the week. She's uh, shooting a bunch of different Q&A questions. Weekly, we do various Instagram lives on different topics and it'll be like 20 minutes of presentation and then 10 to 15 minutes of Q&A. And patients respond really well to that. And we're also partnering with others. So like, you know, in Florida, one of our providers has a good relationship with a PT group. Her and that PT are going to go live and they're going to talk from both perspectives on how they're treating our patient population. Um, and that has been great because it helps us with our referral network and building those relationships yeah. and the patient population as well. I'm loving this. We don't even have to talk trends. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it right there. Teresa's doing it right now. Let's... Um... Oh my God, I'm never going to say double click into that. That is, I hate that buzzword. Let's <laughs> let's discuss it more. So what is the goal there? Like with a multi-site provider group like you guys, I have a question like the organic social, how do I get that into the right hands? But Dr. Ali, like you care less about getting it into the, the specific locations, the potential patients there than building the brand and education. You guys are so mission driven. Let's educate. Eventually we'll be in their state where they can travel. Mm -hmm. Is that the theory? Like, how do you so, get that in the right hands or it doesn't, it's not for a For me, right it's all about the brand. I think when I first started here, they actually had a separate Instagram account for every location. And the first thing I did was say, shut those all down. Because I felt like that was way too confusing for the patients. Um, yeah. The main Instagram account now is what I say is like, that's it. That's where it all happens. That's where all of our posts go out. That's where we're sharing stories, engaging. And then after that, it's provider driven. So our providers, if they're choosing to be online, 
I'm collaborating with them, I'm contributing with them, I'm sharing their stuff. I am creating and writing every single post we do right now. So God help me. And <laughs> then I'm doing everything. Dr. Ali being the founder of the company, obviously her brand is really important as well because she is what started. She has her own profiles and she'll probably- her own profile. She's doing everything and we're really focused on that. And then from there, it's like, okay, as part of our main strategy, I focus also on elevating the profiles of each doctor. And when I do that, I'll post something and then mention where they're treating patients. We also make sure we note that, you know, hey, you're not in one of our states. Let us know. Let's set up a virtual consultation. Let's talk more because patients are willing uh, to travel. They so are, um, oh, yeah. So we're not willing to say no to anybody because what we offer is so unique and has such a good outcome, you know, on it. Like yeah. our data is so good a patient might be willing to hop on a plane and come see us or, you know, if it's drivable, get in the car and come see us. So we don't shut the door on that. Okay. Okay. Building the brand, publishing organic content. Is there any advertising component to the upper funnel stuff you do? Are you taking the reels and I don't know a ton on this and and I know we need to move in this direction. Is there any ad component to it? I am doing paid social. I've just begun uh, testing this out in various ways and that's performing pretty well for us just because that's where our audience is. Meta can be really tricky about how you're doing paid social for healthcare. So it has to be very like top funnel educational but I've been doing a lot of a lot of that. And then what else I've been doing on the local side is doing like click to call so that I can do it location-based, which has been interesting. It's a little harder to track. The other thing I keep cautioning about um, is that Meta's forms aren't HIPAA compliant. So when I run these, I have to run them directly to our website forms, which are HIPAA compliant. So that requires a level of tracking. And the thing I've been noticing is that often in a social media lead needs a little more. They're not necessarily saying, yeah, I'm going to see this ad and then I'm going to book an appointment. They probably need like demand gen. They need a resource download. They need a webinar or something like that, which is something that I love. Send them more content. So I'm building that out right now where it's like, all right, let me get a landing page going with like a quick download. And then we can email them after and encourage them to get an appointment. Mm, We find that a lot. The social um, leads are generally much lower quality. They need to be educated, land them on the site, like just probably not converting right there. And Teresa, okay. So you're tracking a few things, a few things I want to find out more. What are your KPIs there? Because you're so focused on upper funnel. Are you looking for like overall patient lift for your spend? Yes, we are admits are what we're looking for. Which, okay. I mean, so we have two ways to get them. Obviously, we've got a new patient visit, which is someone who comes in for a consult. And then we've got an admit, which is someone who does our treatment. We need admits. That's like what I'm gold on. So that's why the demand gen aspect and the education and driving them through the funnel is so important because the more educated they are, the more likely they are to say, yeah, I want this treatment. I I know what it is. I know how it's going to benefit. And doctors are just, they're too busy to spend the amount of time to educate them that much and convince them in that doctor's appointment. I mean, my job, I feel, is to educate that patient enough. So when they meet our doctors, they're like, I want this treatment. You're amazing. Yes, sign me up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much a B2B play. I see why they brought you on. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so you're looking for admits. Are you looking by... CPL per channel, and you're like, social needs to drive a $100 lead um, and a $300 yes. admit. So you do 
by channel, but but you're doing a lot of Instagram content, no direct ROI there. Yeah. Do you have like little indicators that you use and then overall every month you're saying we drove 10 admins, we spent 20 grand. Is that- Oh, oh for Instagram, like I'm in, TM separate- coding everything so that I can see how it gets to the website. And then I'm using that as leading indicators of how they're converting on the form. Um, which is harder, right? Because Instagram tells you via meta, like, here's how many people I'm only sending people right now that way via UTMs. And that's where I'm getting those like little feelings where I'm like, okay, 9,000 people came to the site from social media this month. And we only had 20 people convert on that UTM code. We need a campaign. Like we can't just say, yeah, it only cost us, you know, X amount of dollars. It wasn't that expensive, but I would love to convert those other 8,000 people. <laughs> like, so that's kind of where my mind's going is the cost per click on social paid social is so low. But to your point earlier, it's because they're not as warmed up and they'll click right through because they find the content great and engaging, but they won't convert to an appointment right away. They need more. And, okay, let's talk about the need more. Do you have an automation? Are you using CRM? Are you using email journey? We or, are yeah. using Salesforce to track everything. And we have MailChimp for email. And our landing pages are native in the back end of our website. But I am dabbling right now with using some MailChimp landing pages on social to like drive the email to to landing page. Okay, cool. CRM, Salesforce CRM. Yeah. And then MailChimp for the automations. They come in and then very good, very good, very good. That's good. You're more advanced than 99% of provider groups out there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's still pretty basic. Like when I, uh, we have some newsletters that we're running that I'm redoing, I'm building out, like I want to automate things. Like once they fill out the new patient visit form, I want to automate them getting a few touch points. So they're a little more educated from there too. Like it's very me drawing on like how things work in B2B, but focusing on the patient instead. It's very much like, what does the patient need information wise? And how can I draw on those typical demand generation mindset like that you know and love from B2B, but bring it to the patient instead? Yeah, smart. And I love the referral providers that you guys are working to get them into your content. B2B does that. I mean, we're doing that right now, right? It's to get into your network. Podcast is generally what people use, but the uh, the Instagram, getting people on social, those providers also want to learn how to use it. So you yep. getting them on that, they're like, okay, they'll kind of teach me. And all right, I like that. You know, so I didn't want that lost. That was good. Okay, C- CRM, and then we've got MailChimp, but we've got some automations to make people feel good. After consult or after admit, do you send automations for the next year? Hey, this is how to prevent it from happening again, or like refer a friend oh. or what, anything? We use ECW for our patient portal and our operations, eClinical Works. It's like, you know, when you go to the doctor and you get like a text message after or before that's like, hey, you have an appointment. Can you confirm? That's a patient portal. So ours is ECW. We have the ability and our operations team does send emails out to patients like with surveys and things like that. What I've been talking with the operations team about since I started and they're very about it is, hey, we should be sending more emails. Like we should be emailing the patient like two weeks later. How are you feeling? Like, here's some information about what to expect. We should be continuing to follow up with them, just like you said. So that's um, the strategy I'm working on in 2023 is like, you know, two days before the appointment, send them an email. Here's what you should expect. A week after the appointment, send them an email. Here's how you should be feeling now. Um, Because our treatment protocol is six weeks long. And a lot of times they don't understand why it's a series, why six weeks. So Allie 
Dr. Allison, has actually shot some videos answering a lot of those questions. I want to send those out in an email and, tar- and you know, stagger those emails out so that patients can hear directly from her. Why is it six weeks? Why did we do this? Like, what can you expect to be happening? And, you know, I think that's a very reassuring process. And then our operations team um, has even thought about like when they're in the office after their first treatment, giving them an iPad while they're sitting there, you know, in recovery for those few minutes, letting them watch a video of like, here's what to expect right now. Like basically meeting them where they are and giving them that education and answering their questions before they have them. Yeah. A friend of mine with the videos is starting to reach out to provider groups called Mitonomy. They, they put the videos in hospital rooms so that, Hey, like you're about to go in for your appendix is burst. Watch a video. Feel better. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool though. So you guys have automations that reach out to people after the fact, I just posted that about that on LinkedIn. I think in this recessive economy, this net new patient game that we've been playing for the last few years is going to get exhausting. There's just not that much. People are more careful about their dollars to spend more time educating, following up seeing how people are feeling, making sure we don't have reactivations of whatever brought them in and yeah. build, some, build some more loyalty that way. You're doing the trends, Teresa. You've got CRM, you've got the automations, you're doing upper funnel social and education and bidding on those keywords. Anything else you're focused on in the next year, you want provider groups or healthcare marketers to know from the B2B side or anything they should be watching out for, investing in a little bit now to get ready for next year? I would say the only thing that I constantly think about is just meeting the patients where they are. Like, I think what you're saying is so true. Like they're more conscious of where they're spending their money and they're more aware now more than ever of like, there's like 2022's word of the year was gaslighting. Like they're so aware of like what is going on in their bodies. And I think the more that we as like a medical community, whether it's as marketers, as doctors can show them that like, we're actually here for you. We hear you and we can do that before they even step in the office with content and show who we are and do that with our marketing efforts. I think we're set up to win. It's just an easier, it's an easier way to do that. And then like you just mentioned the referral piece, like that's the quickest way to get a new patient, like getting them to tell their friends, whether it's that like, whether they're posting a review or they're posting just like user generated content, like about their experience, like monitoring that stuff and sharing it. um, UGC. Yeah. So if we can make one message to every marketer out there working at a, at a provider group, it's let's go back to the basics and interview our patients, our providers and our office. Yeah. Start with the patients and end with the patients. We don't need any tricky tech trends. Let's just understand the patients and create better content that helps them get the care that they need faster. Right. So I like that. That's back to basics and we're too quick to get moving on building campaigns and ad campaigns and SEO landing pages and using AI. And really, we just need to understand the patients a little bit better, help them get the care they need. I like that, Teresa. Teresa, this has been fun. This has been fun. Where should people reach you? Should they find you on LinkedIn? Um, Yeah. Yeah, does that work? Yeah, LinkedIn's great. All right, Teresa Porcaro, guys. uh, If you forget that, search for restaurants in, was it Seacon? Yes, restaurants in Seekonk. I'm going to be opening one. <laughs> That's how you find it. Teresa, thanks for joining us on Ignite. This was very fun and I learned a lot and I love saying that and that makes today a good day. Thank you for being here. Awesome. Absolutely. It was great to be here. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ignite. Interested in keeping up with the latest trends in healthcare marketing? Subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review. 
for more healthcare marketing tips, visit our blog at cardinaldigitalmarketing.com.